You're listening to the Merged Marketing Podcast with me, Jason Hunt. The mission with this show is to discuss all things marketing, sales, and mindset. It's my hope for entrepreneurs like you to get the most from your efforts so that you can focus on what you do best. Let's go. You're listening to episode 195 of the Merged Marketing Podcast. In this episode, we're talking about mastering the art of social first video marketing. My guest on today's show is Adam Chandler. Adam is the founder of Real Film, a film and animation production company helping businesses turn strategies and results. I bumped into Adam as we were both speaking at a summit in Barcelona called the International Social Summit. This summit featured amazing speakers from across the globe talking on topics relating to social media. Now, Adam's topic was talking about social first video content, which is more important and super relevant more now than ever. With the emergence of platforms like TikTok and Instagram Reels, everybody's trying to get as much reach as possible. And Adam's going to talk to you about some of the tactics that he deploys for his clients and that you need to deploy in your business to get today to get the maximized reach possible on your video content. Without further ado, let's kick it to my chat with Adam Chandler. Adam, welcome to the show. Good to be here. Thank you for having me. Adam, maybe you can give our audience a bit of a background on what got you in the marketing and video marketing in the first place. Right at the start of my career, I left school and knew I wanted to make films and do video, didn't know what kind. Started working in TV and worked on loads of different TV shows in the UK, which was great. Worked across about 30 different ones across four different channels, which was great. But then when I was back home, I was just making kind of like short films for businesses. I did it for the local school, the local theater, a charity, different things like that. And I loved that because... In TV, you're kind of like, as much as you make great stuff, you're a bit of a cog. Whereas I found for businesses, you could really make a difference. You could see the impact it was having. You could be creative. You could really get stuck into it and really work with different people. So yeah, I just set up as a freelancer making films for businesses and it grew from there. And that's how it started. It was, yeah, a love for film, but I found my way into that. I loved also helping businesses with that. It's always good to love what you do and make money doing it, right? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I found when I was at school doing media studies, I was just like, ah, I quite like this. I don't think I ever thought it would become like a career that there would be a business in that I'd get paid to do it. Like whatever it is down the line. Yeah, really cool. And you've extended now to working with international businesses, not just businesses in the UK. Yeah, yeah. So we work all over. Yeah, we work with kind of UK national companies, but then we also work with companies like Netflix and Disney and Santander, who are obviously there on a global level. So yeah, lots and lots of different kinds of businesses across the globe. Yeah. So dive into the specifics a bit into in terms of the context and how you work with these businesses. Yeah, so multiple different things. I mean, it's really everything that's going to help them grow and help them be successful. So one of the first questions I ask when someone goes, oh, we've got a brief and we want to do this, I look at the why. Why are we going to make this? Why are we going to do this? There's no point just making a video to have a video. And when a business kind of approaches as that, we go, what's the strategy? Where's it going to go? Is it to improve sales? Is it to improve efficiencies? Is it to keep people safe? Is it for brand awareness? What is it that we're doing? There's got to be an objective. Once we've got that, we can then really help businesses grow doing that while making the content creative, right? Because that's a lot of the reasons why they come to us. They've got a problem, but they go, we want to make it creative and we want to make it worth our time. So that's the emphasis on it. It's creative content done really well 
with a purpose so it has impact and then that business goes away and a few months later we'll look at the results and go ah that was a good thing we did <laughs> that's the drive behind everything that we do is the majority of work you do on the producing end of it or is it more on the uh, the editing both so we do end to end so it's everything from brief creative pre-production planning scripting storyboarding all the production, whether it's animation or film. So we do animation and film. And then through to post-production, finishing it and giving all the different assets for wherever they're going to go on, whether it's social media, website, events, sales teams, whatever. So yeah, it's end-to-end -end production we do. Cool. So let's dive into social first video. And first of all, give your definition of what you mean by social first video. Social first video is simply, it is video content that is made specifically for social media. Historically, people have made brand films or content that's been used across a TV ad or a corporate video. And then they've gone, oh, let's cut that up to 10, 15 second chunks and use it over Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, and all sorts of different things. But what this is that when you receive a brief or we shape a brief and we go, okay, the audience is hanging out on LinkedIn or the audience is hanging out on Instagram, this brief is simply making content for those channels. And it is designed and sculpted for that place. So it's going to perform the best it can, get in front of the people, engage them. And there's no two-minute brand film that's going to go on the website. This is a brief of content just for Instagram. And, and that is what we look at as social first film. Comparing producing like a corporate video for a, a commercial per se and comparing that to LinkedIn, what are a few of the differentiators in creating that content? Yeah, massive differences are there's a few things. One is length. So people on social media want shorter and shorter content. So we're doing stuff that's six seconds, 10 seconds, 15, 20, 30 seconds. Another thing is there's a lot more vertical video. So for TV and all sorts of stuff like that, it's 16 by nine, it's horizontal. But when you start getting into Instagram and LinkedIn and all sorts, you want vertical. But then that that even becomes a science in itself because Making a piece of content for LinkedIn is very different to making that same piece of content for Instagram or Facebook or anywhere like that. So LinkedIn, you can get away with having content that's a bit longer, let's say two minutes, but Instagram, you want more like 15 seconds. So it really depends where the content's going. But yeah, quite, quite a lot of differences. In terms of the actual content itself, what recommendations do you give in terms of the content itself for LinkedIn, specifically for LinkedIn or specifically for YouTube or specifically for TV? Are there there are a few things in terms of the scripting that would differentiate a piece of content from one platform to the next? Yeah, LinkedIn's more kind of B2B, but no matter what, you're still advertising to people, right? So everything's got to be human. People buy from people. That's a big thing that, that we see. That doesn't mean that people need to be on camera or people need to be in the film, but it just means whatever narrative, whatever story you're telling, it needs to resonate with those people. But definitely more in a B2B world. So you'll definitely find on LinkedIn content's a bit more professional. You don't have as much user-generated content, although there's a place for that. People expect it to be high-quality film. They still expect it to have a call to action at the end and something to go and do, because most people who go on LinkedIn, I know some people now more than ever, I think, go on it as a bit of a social network, but people also do use it as a professional thing and go on to buy services or meet people or uh, find out about the suppliers they're using or the clients they work with and stuff like that. So definitely keeping it that more professional edge, higher quality, key messages, because I think on LinkedIn, there's a really active audience there that are, are listening. Basically, they're in there, they're in work mode and they're, they want to listen to what people are saying. So you can engage them and therefore get away with slightly longer content. How much emphasis do you put on the metrics after you produce a video, put it live on LinkedIn, for example? What metrics are you looking at to determine whether or not a piece of content is a success? 
yeah, metrics are really important. There's how many people click play, but that doesn't really matter because you could click play, watch one, two seconds and log straight off or something like that. And you might start auto plays now. It might start at auto playing, but you've not, the person's not actually watched it. Let's say they've just kept scrolling. So a big metric is how much people have watched. Where are they dropping off? Are they dropping 20 seconds into the video? Are they dropping 40 seconds? Are they dropping at the end? Or is it right at the start? At that point, you can start to look at is it the story that's wrong with the video? Is something not resonating? Is it the right content on the right platform? And that's where you can make choices. But yeah, one of the big things is it's average viewing length. How much of that content on average is being viewed and where are the specific drop-off points people are kind of ducking out of it? That's awesome. So it, that's good to know. And I'm sure you have some learnings as well as you, you're looking at a lot of these videos you're creating, you're seeing the typical drop off point, you're seeing what's captivating that user to stick around for the extra five or six seconds. Is there any sort of examples you can provide or things or trends that you're seeing in the videos that you're creating to keep that audience around for longer? Yeah, it's definitely stuff. A high impact start is good and getting straight to the message. This is what we're talking about. I think back in the day, you'd find most videos would start with the brand logo at the start with a background behind it and the brand logo at the end with the background behind it. Nowadays, you do not want that at the start. It's fine at the end still, but at the start, you don't want it. That's almost two seconds wasted. Get straight into it. Get up front punchy, whether it's the music, whether it's the visuals, whether it's the spoken audio, get in their face with what you're talking about and engage them. And then once you've got that hook, you'll find people will go, ah, oh, I'm interested in this. And then you've got to keep that. It's every second counts is what I say with film now, especially when you're doing six second, 10 second, 30 second ads, every second counts. And it's amazing how much you can get across in those seconds. But the really key thing when we're talking about the metrics as well and where we know it's been successful is what did they do after? Did they click the call to action? Did they go through to the website? Did they buy the product? And that's really when you know if you've hooked them, if they've gone and done that. So yeah, but the upfront stuff is really important and get those people hooked. This year, more than ever, we're really, our agency is leaning into leveraging video views more so now than ever. Because when we create a campaign, for example, on Meta, optimizing for video views, we're just telling Meta to put her ad in front of as many people as possible to have a tendency to watch at least yeah. 10 seconds or 15 seconds of a video, a through play. And once they take that action, now we have them in our audiences. And now that they're familiar with the brand and now we can retarget them with an ad to deliver traffic to a website. Yeah. So I think the hump that a lot of marketers or business owners need to get over is like, you're not going to get results from this initial campaign straight mm -hmm. up but we're building yeah. an audience to breed results later on. 100%. And, um, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, it's driving those people. It's getting that list. It's, get, it's getting that data. But a lot of the time, I think with LinkedIn ads as well, it's the long game. You're not going to get it after a week or two weeks. It is the long game and playing that and it will build up over time. Hey, podcast listeners. As we approach episode 200 of the Merged Marketing Podcast, I've got a special announcement to make. Following episode 200 of the Merged Marketing Podcast, we're going to be pivoting to the Drop the Mic podcast. And what's the Drop the Mic podcast, you might ask? Well, in this podcast, we're gonna be interviewing some of the world's top marketers. And we're gonna gain an understanding as to what helped them get to where they are today. Their accomplishments, their achievements, their stories, and also their tactics that helped them become some of the best marketers in the world. You're definitely gonna to wanna to check it out. Stay tuned, coming soon, Drop the Mic with Jason Hunt. In terms of video content, do you recommend having a super polished, super professional video to run ads or can people, business owners just create one from their smartphone? What are your thoughts around that? 
Yeah, that that is a topic and a question we fight with every week. (laughs) The honest answer is there's no right or wrong. It's brand dependent, it's product dependent, it's business industry dependent, lots and lots of different things. User-generated content is on the rise more and more nowadays. I I think I shared a a stat at the summit, which was something like 94% of people trust user-generated content more than any other form of content. However, it's some over 80 odd percent of people still expect to be watching high quality content all the time. So it's that blend of keeping it quality, but making it feel human and personable and user generated and raw. And I think that's the big difference. So in, in answer to your question, my view is, yeah, doing stuff on your phone and making it yourself does work for some things. Professional quality content will 99% of the time outperform that kind of content. But then it really depends what the creative is. We've made some videos here as a production agency that have not been made on professional cameras because that was the right creative solution for that brief to have impact where we've made it more high quality, but it's not quite being shot on phones, but we've made it look like it's been shot on phones to get that vertical video, make it look user generated and make it resonate with people. So professional will always win, but there's a place for the other side of it as well would agree with you and say that I think there's a place for both. I think the, from a strategy standpoint, I think using that polished corporate video to really provide an impact for the brand, provide a good representation, professionalism. You know, if I'm a user seeing, for example, an ad for a a luxury resort, I need to see that drone content. I need to see some highly polished content and then retargeting me with a user-generated ad of somebody on the resort sitting by the pool having a cocktail talking about how awesome that experience is. I'll give you a great example as well. I was There's a manufacturing business that we know, and they, they had some user-generated content, which was just a business owner going around with his mobile, and he put it on LinkedIn, and he put some spend behind it. And he was getting about 15 leads a month from it, which I thought was pretty good from that. And then he had a professional video done, and he was getting like 50 to 60 leads. Yeah. He said, oh, well, I'll turn the user-generated one off. And I said, no, 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 keep that on as well. Mm. Because you get the 50 to 60 leads from the professional one, but you may as well get those other 15 as well from your user-generated one. So both work. It's just to varying degrees, right? hundred percent. And that's why we always say, don't put all your eggs in like the blog posting basket. You know what yeah. I mean? Because some people yeah, like yeah. to become leads off of reading content. Some people like to become leads off of watching a video, maybe watching a YouTube video. So every user is different in the way they consume content and become a lead. So you can't paint every user with the same brush. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everyone's different. And that's the great thing about you need to understand your audience, but everyone is different. So yeah, definitely, definitely. Do you find any big difference when you're creating content, video content from a, for a North American market compared to a European market? There are differences. We don't have loads of clients in the North American market, but we do have two. Uh, they're in the healthcare sector. So it's a bit of, we don't have many healthcare clients in the UK compared to America. Weirdly, I don't know why. I definitely find that the content they want is a bit more hard hitting a bit more, let's say, to the point, dramatic, get it across, really hit people. And maybe the content over here, we, we still get that. But yeah, it's maybe a bit looser over here, maybe a bit bit softer, potentially. Yeah. But that, again, just a caveat, we're going to work with two. So that might just be the brands we work with as opposed to... You know to what? Actually, you know, I, I think it's a very competitive landscape on this side of the sea in terms yeah. of, of putting out content, being aggressive, being the best. You know what I mean? Maybe, and I'm just speculating here, but maybe less emphasis on the actual no trust factor. That's important. Don't get me wrong. It's very important, but maybe more important on that side of the ocean where you have to approach it a certain way. 
yeah, I would call the content we do for the North American companies more precise. Mm. Much more precise, mm. much more to Direct. the to the detail. Mm. Yeah, it's but it works. It really works. So, tell me specifically about some of the platforms, social media platforms, where you're creating that content and how you're gearing that content towards that platform. Talk about some of the differentiating factors there. Yeah, so different platforms. There's more and more coming out all the time, but there's the ones you everyone knows. There's Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. We got Twitter, or it's X now, isn't it? Or is it still called Twitter? I don't Twitter, know. yeah, X, Threads. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, Threads has come out. There's TikTok. You have Threads, Threads over there yet? I know it was a delay. You do have Threads. Yeah. I, I understood loads of people signed up and they never went on it again, but I don't know if that's right. the same over your side of the pond. But I, I don't know. But Reminds me of Clubhouse a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, no, yeah, I get that. So, yeah, but then how we tailored that across all those platforms, it's really about understanding audiences, right? There's a lot of people on TikTok now. It used to have a stigma of being just the younger people, mm. but there are now many people on TikTok, many brands. But the truth is, in general, it is a younger audience on there compared to, let's say, Facebook, where it is a slightly older audience. And that's really about, we talk to brands about if it's a brand that is advertising to, let's say, over 50s they probably won't even have a tiktok account right so there's no point even thinking about it but to answer your question what we do a lot is it's different edits for different platforms so let's say we've got the same brand and they've got a facebook account a tiktok account an instagram account and let's say a linkedin just to give it as examples each four of those platforms will get a different edit Mm. tailored to that audience mm. so for example the tiktok one might have a few more transitions in it it might it might be faster paced more upbeat might be a bit snappy a bit more vibrant mm. colorful in, in your face really grab those younger people mm. whereas on linkedin it might be a bit slow a bit more professional still got that side to it whereas instagram we might even take a bit of a risk and throw some user generated content in there so slightly different edits per platform to tailor for the kind of audiences that are on them. It's a big, well, it's like a maze sometimes when you look at the brand, the industry, the audience, the demographics, what platforms they're on. But yeah, what I say, if you whack the same edit on every single platform, you will not be as successful mm. as doing different cuts for different platforms. So that's how it's approached. Interesting. How often are you using the in-app edits? to do those edits on Reels, on TikTok? Are you doing it in-app or are you doing it outside of the app and then using like a scheduling tool? What's your suggestion? Yeah, so for us, never. So we don't actually do the posting or anything like that. Um, but we we always are obviously creating the content. But when right. we send that to marketing teams or to clients or agencies like your good selves, we, we don't, I think sometimes, yeah, they'll put like in-app subtitles on it rather than let's say a subtitle file that we've sent them because Instagram likes you doing that and it's a bit more native. Yeah, and I, I have also seen edits we've done and they've gone out and they've gone on Instagram, let's say. And then six months later, the client posted what looks like a similar edit, but not quite the same edit of that mm -hmm. video. And I'm thinking they slightly chop that themselves in Instagram. So th there's definitely some stuff going on with stuff getting chopped up in, in the apps, yeah. I do notice that when we post content natively in a platform, you'll nine times out of 10 get more reach than yeah. posting from a third-party scheduler or something yeah. like that. I don't know. The apps, they like using the app for their edits. And obviously it yeah. blends into the algorithm, blends into the feed, and that's what they want. So yeah, we need the B-roll. And that's where yeah, the B-roll comes in where a company like you can go out there and shoot a ton of content. And this is where yeah. I think there's a huge advantage there is that B-roll content that you capture uh, it's not garbage. It's not junk. This mm -hmm. can totally be used for some great social media content. Absolutely.
Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And th- th- there's loads of, there's so much stuff that goes on the cutting room floor that could be repurposed to a completely different message, a completely different campaign, a completely different whatever it is the brand wants to say. So, yeah, there's loads of stuff there all the time. Definitely. Adam, for our audience that has any questions for you, what's the best way for them to get in touch? Best way would be LinkedIn, probably on LinkedIn. Yeah. Either my profile or the business page, but probably my, mine's best. Yeah. LinkedIn would be best or even just through our website would be okay. Awesome. And you want to give everyone the website? Yeah. So it's real, R-E-E-L uh, hyphen film.co.uk. Has nothing to do with Instagram reels, by the way. No, actually we did it first. So I think they copied us. <laughs> I go with it. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, Adam, we end every episode with the same question. That question is this. If you could choose one person, dead or alive, to represent your brand, who would it be and why? Oh, geez, I didn't prepare for this one. Uh, I'd go Jack Bauer from 24. All right, all right. I just think he's badass. And I'm like, if I can get that guy, I know he's not real, but if I can get that guy representing my company, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? You you need to create... (laughs) a video ad for your own company with that same type of 24-hour sequence, a, the I day in do. the life of a videographer. Yeah, they should do it. Do some kind of 24-type edit of, yeah, yeah, so something. But yeah, no, I think, yeah, that's for some reason, that's the first thing that came to my head. I like it. I like it. I like it. If uh, One last question here. Uh, who is your ideal client? Ideal client is a brand that wants to grow, has a marketing team, could be using video, doesn't have to be using video, but ultimately wants to use video to grow what they do and have a business strategy and marketing strategy in place to help that. Awesome. Adam, this has been great. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Real quick, guys, if you are active on Instagram or TikTok, I encourage you to go on over and give my personal profile a follow at jhuntofficial, J-A-Y-H-U-N-T, O-F-F-I-C-I-A-L. Over there on Instagram and TikTok, I'm posting my favorite highlights from the Merged Marketing Podcast, along with some of the highlights from my speaking engagements uh, overseas as well as locally. Ton of value. Go on over and check it out at Official. I'd like to thank you for listening to the Merged Marketing Podcast, and I invite you to subscribe so you never miss an episode of the Merged Marketing Podcast. One of the best ways to do that is to add us to your Instagram at Merged Media, M-E-R-G-E-D-M-E-D-I-A. Go on over there, give Merged Media a follow and subscribe and never miss an episode. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon.